Good morning, church. Uh, it's great to be here on the Lord's Day. And time to time, I just want to express my gratitude to the Lord first and, uh, and to you all for the opportunity to serve this way. just want you to know this is not something we take for granted. This is a privilege, a blessing, a great burden in a lot of ways, but super grateful, super grateful. Today's sermon is titled Spiritual Sight, Spiritual Sight. And every time we open up to the Bible, we are turning our eyes to Jesus. In general, what is the Bible about? It's about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So everything that we learn about the Bible, we're learning about Jesus. We're turning our eyes to the Lord. Kent Hughes writes, he's a pastor, a preacher. Someone once bluntly asked blind and deaf Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. Better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. And really this describes the world. Many billions of people are walking the earth Thankfully, with good eyes, most people have two eyes that work and are able to see very clearly, but they're blind. They're blind to who God is. And you got to understand, God is invisible. God is spirit, the Bible says. This is, God is not seen through spiritual, I mean, physical eyes. We need to have our spiritual eyes working or to have spiritual eyes to be able to see him. And God has revealed himself most clearly through Jesus Christ. And Christ is revealed most clearly through the Bible. And so as we look at the Bible, we're looking at the Savior of the world right now. So this, today, we're going to learn about Bartimaeus. And this is how it was with Bartimaeus. Although he was blind, all he saw was darkness. He saw much more clearly than anyone in the crowd. Bartimaeus. We want to be like Bartimaeus. We are all Bartimaeus in a lot of ways. So today, we're going to focus on spiritual sight. So turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Short portion here, seven short verses, but it's rich. It's like eating fudge. It's thick. So we're going to try to draw out as much as we can without, without losing track here. Now, healing the blind serve as two bookends in this, in this portion of Mark. In Mark 8, 22, Jesus heals a blind man in Bethsaida. In, right here, Mark 10, 46, Jesus encounters Bartimaeus, whom he heals. And in between, sandwiched in between these bookends is this, three predictions of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus predicts three times in, in between these bookends of his death and resurrection. And the 12 are being trained to take over, as we've been talking about the last couple weeks. And so three years of training gets distilled into these last portions before they enter into Jerusalem. So let's keep that in mind as we read Mark 10, 46 to 52 together. So let's rise as we learn more about spiritual sight, spiritual sight. Mark 10, 46, I'll be reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. Then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called a blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up. He is calling for you. And throwing off his outer garment, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this word. I pray your spirit will give us spiritual eyes to see Christ more clearly today so that we will love him more. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. The three headings that, that, to help us guide us through this narrative are these three. We want to frame this portion with these three headings. Number one, the desperate beggar. We're going to learn about Bartimaeus and learn about ourselves through Bartimaeus. Number two, the divine call. The divine call. Jesus calls the blind man. And then number three, the devoted follower. The devoted follower. The Lord's mindset at this time before uh, encountering Bartimaeus, what's going on? Well, it's Passover time. It's springtime. Thousands of pilgrims are marching down from the north to Jerusalem because this is what Israelites do or did. They traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So hundreds and, and thousands of people were traveling. And Jesus, Mark, I mean, Luke 9 says that he set his face towards Jerusalem. That talks about how Jesus is absolutely determined to go to Jerusalem to accomplish his mission, to die and on the cross to save sinners. This is why he came. The very next verse after Mark, 9, uh, Mark 10, 52 is Jesus entering into Jerusalem, the triumphant entry, the, the Palm Sunday account. So it's getting close. And I think we need to understand all this to appreciate how great our God is. So number one, the first heading, the desperate beggar. They're entering into Jericho. Jericho is the final checkpoint before entering into Jerusalem. This is the historic Jericho that you think of where the walls came tumbling down. There's an there's a older Jericho and there's a newer Jericho. And Jesus is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. He's getting close. He's getting close. In the other accounts of the gospel, he enters into Bethany. But he's getting close. This is the final checkpoint before facing the cross and facing Passion Week. And it says a large crowd was with him in, in verse 46. What does this mean? How big of a crowd? Large crowd. And like I said, the pilgrims are collecting. It's as if it's a, like a tsunami wave building up with people, right? As Jesus travels and he is known, he is, he is quite famous. He is the miracle worker. He is the one who teaches like none other. And along with that, there's pilgrims coming alongside him. This is a large crowd as they're moving towards Jerusalem. And in verse 46, turn your eyes with me to verse 46. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. This is a picture of a historical man that actually existed, Bartimaeus. Imagine what life was like for him. He is the desperate beggar. 
And let's contrast him from the rich young ruler that, who we talked about a few weeks ago. Physically, the rich young ruler is wealthy, healthy, and ready to conquer the world. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, poor, destitute. Who knows if he struggled with any uh, other physical issues, but he was blind. The rich young ruler socially was esteemed, looked up to. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, scorned, seen as a nuisance. Spiritually, the rich young ruler is seen as blessed. God must be showering and opening the doors, windows of heaven and pouring blessing upon you. You must be a righteous man. Spiritually, on the other hand, for the Bartimaeus, you must be cursed because God has made you blind. Remember John chapter 9, I believe? The disciples asked on a, for a different account of a blind man, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Blindness was a sign of God's disfavor with you, that he was cursing you. So to survive, Bartimaeus had only one option. It's not like today, perhaps, where there's other options. Bartimaeus' one option was to beg. And he was completely desperate, and he was completely dependent upon the, the kind goodwill of others to care for him. That's how it was. And you can see how desperation leads to having spiritual sight. Bartimaeus was blind, and in verse 47, you see how he hears things. And I understand this, that blind men and women, blind people have a heightened sense of their other senses, and hearing being one of them. And right here, you can see how he has a heightened sense of hearing, not just physically, but in a spiritual sense. Let's turn our eyes to verse 47. And when he heard, when he heard, the Bible says, that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He did, he did have a heightened sense of hearing. And as I think about Bartimaeus, this is a desperate soul right here. He has nothing on this side of eternity that seems to be good. I asked myself this question and I asked, asked this of you too. Do you come to church desperate to hear from the living God? Right now as you drove to church and you're walking into the sanctuary, you said, man, I need to hear from the living God. I hope the pastor has something good for me from the Bible because I need to hear from the living God. If Bartimaeus was here, He'd be all ears and thinking, give me something to keep going one more day. Where the world will offer other things like, hey, here's some self-esteem to feel better about yourself. Here's some food. Here's some ish, uh, education to help you to think better. Good things. And we like those things, yet we're here to offer truth about the living God. Somebody said to me last week, Pastor, thank you for preaching. And, and she was super gracious, and I praise God for that. But she made a remark that struck with me, and she said, it seems like you're internalizing the scriptures as you preach to us. I said, how'd you know? I mean, that is the secret to being a preacher, where you as a preacher, Satan says he wanted to sift Peter and the disciples like wheat, 
If you're in any position of leadership, Satan will love to sift you like wheat. How else better to divide and hurt the church by attacking the leadership? And so you're like into the word. It's like, God, give me something. And you, you read the scriptures, Mark 10, 46 to 52, in a devotional way. Lord, what do you have for me? It's interesting for this blind man, Bartimaeus, trials gave him more sensitive spiritual ears to hear. And if you're going through a trial right now, it could be a physical thing as Pastor Victor prayed for, it could be a financial thing, it could be a relational thing. Just know in Christ, God has a good purpose in this for you. Right now, I'm thinking you're listening more like Bartimaeus right now. On the other hand, if everything's fine and peaceful and nothing's going on, you might be thinking about the game or, or, or lunch afterwards, right? But right now, if you're desperate, like, please come through today, preacher. Give me a little something to encourage me in my Christian life. That's why it's, I think it's critically important that we understand we come to hear from God. You don't come to hear from the preacher, but you come to hear from God. That's why you need to demand from the preacher, tell me something about God through the Bible. So it's important as we gather on the Lord's Day and in a unique gathering once a week that you prepare your mind and your heart to hear from God. Thankfully, we publish the, uh, the, the reference that's going to be preached weekly on a Thursday. That's a great opportunity just to read it and pray and, with, and yourself, read it with your family and pray. Become familiar with Bartimaeus before you meet him. It's kind of a reunion rather than an introduction on Sunday. There's, there's many things that you could do to prepare yourself to hear from God on the Lord's Day. Take notes, review the notes. These are all good things. But come with anticipation like God is going to meet me here today. God is going to speak to me today. This is kind of a little bit of a side note there on what's going on, but in the life of Bartimaeus. But let's go back here, verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, Bartimaeus could not see. When it says he is blind man, he is a blind man. That's what it means. In the original language, that's what God means to say. He was absolutely blind. Although he was blind, he could see and hear the invisible hand of God moving providentially, and he could hear the providence of God knocking on the door of opportunity. As he, as he hears that door knock, he cries out and answers the door, Jesus, have mercy on me. I know who you are. You are the son of David. You are the Messiah. He must have been praying for this. He must have been praying for this. He must have been praying, man, I just, maybe one day Jesus will walk this way. Maybe Jesus will walk this way and I'll have a chance to scream out and grab a hold of him. Maybe, just maybe, God, will you send Jesus, the son of David, my way? It's interesting. I find this interesting. He's a, it's not like the internet age where you can search everything and learn a lot on yourself, you know, and this is before uh, distance learning or online education, right? This is a blind man in, in Jericho. He did not leave Jericho. He had that one spot, and he went home, hopefully, when family members would come to get him. That's his life. 
But somehow, he had right theology. Jesus, son of David, how did he know that Jesus is the Messiah? How do you know that Jesus is a fulfillment in 2 Samuel 7 where, where the Davidic covenant where God promises King David in the Old Testament, someone from your lineage will sit on the throne forever. How do you know this? How do you have enough unction, conviction to say, have mercy on me, I must have you. How is this even possible? Well, when he heard, that means that someone taught him this ahead of time. Did you hear about Jesus of Nazareth? He's doing miracles. He is the one that's talked about. He's the one who restores sight to the blind. He's the one who could make the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the one. This is the Messiah. Sister Janet Chan read Romans 10. This is a critical portion of Scripture for us to understand. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing of the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, meaning somebody told him about Jesus Christ. Word was trickling down from Galilee into Jericho. So when he hears, is Jesus the Nazarene? He knew exactly who this was. What a word of encouragement, isn't it? If you're trying to evangelize your grown-up children, maybe it's that co-worker that you've been talking to for the last 18 years. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's somebody you just met at Starbucks this weekend. God opened up opportunity to tell someone about Christ. Let's keep doing it. We don't know when Christ is going to show up in their life. But Bible says one plants, one waters, but God causes the growth. You don't know when Jesus Christ is going to start knocking on that door of that person come marching through. And Jesus showed up for Bartimaeus that day. Have mercy on me. Where the Spirit of God activated his heart to be good soil and he would believe. Followers of Christ know that there's trials. Here verse 48, it says this, And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. They're rebuking him. The crowd was rebuking him. You just shut up. Be quiet. Who are you? You're nobody. We will get rid of you. We're going to move you on, Bartimaeus, if you keep making all this noise. And this word sternly telling has a threatening tone as well. They're persecuting him. And I just think to myself, doesn't that sound like the world today? You speak about Christ, you, you, you ask about Christ. Nobody wants to hear this. I think about it, my mind is drawn back to years ago when at the Super Bowl, we knew that whoever wins the game is going to have a platform of incredible magnitude. Maybe you get to speak to millions, if not a billion people at one time, you know, with the Whoever wins, you get about 30 seconds to say something. And who am I rooting for today? <laughs> I'm rooting for the team with the boldest Christian. Whoever will stir that opportunity to tell people about Christ in one moment, that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And that man is, does not want to uh, disappoint people, but he understands this. The powers of be don't want him to say anything either. The sponsors, the corporations, the media, that person that's holding that mic in front of him, 
is hey, don't say it, don't say it. And you're thinking it, you're looking at him. And how do you take advantage of those opportunities when the crowd is telling you to be quiet? Don't talk about Christ at your workplace. Don't talk about Christ and scream about Christ with your family members. One thing I learned is that you have to be resolved ahead of time. You have to make up your mind in the quietness of your heart when you're around other Christians and other support. I'm going to speak for Christ if I get a chance here. Because if you're put thrust into that moment of heat without preparing yourself, there's a good chance you, you're going to pass. There's a good chance you're going to pass. Resolve to be about Christ ahead of time. This is what I believe after all that praying, after all that meditating on Jesus the Nazarene, about thinking about the son of David and how he could have mercy on him. How did Bartimaeus respond? But he kept crying out more. Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm not going to be quiet. I've been waiting for this for many days, many years even, living in this condition. There's no way I'm going to miss this opportunity. He must have been thinking. He didn't care about violating cultural rules. He didn't care about being politically correct. And it's interesting. I find this very interesting. Persecution is like a, has a greenhouse effect on faith. You've got to understand, plants need the sun and heat to grow. So if you've gone under some kind of a trial recently or you're going through a trial right now, just know that these, this heat will test your faith. You genuinely believe in Jesus Christ. That's number one. But number two, it also trains our faith. It grows our faith. The hostility grew his faith. He became even bolder. He began to cry out all the more, it says. Isn't that amazing? That's what desperate people do. That's what desperate people do. He saw Jesus clearly. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you guys. I'm not going to disappoint the Lord. I'm not going to disappoint myself. I need to have Jesus. Let's go to the second heading. Heading number one is the desperate beggar. Heading number two is the divine call, the divine call. As I shared earlier, Jesus was absolutely determined. He set his jaw to go to Jerusalem to fulfill the predetermined plan that was according to the foreknowledge of God, to be handed over to godless men to be nailed on the cross. This is what his plan was. I need to die. And this is a very intense moment for the Lord. All this is going on in the Lord's humanity. He's feeling all this. Although in his divine nature, he knew this was the, the eternal plan, he must have been feeling the weight of the moment. And with all of this in mind, let's turn to verse 49. And Jesus stopped. And Jesus stopped. The one who sits on the throne in heaven above, the one who's been receiving unceasing worship, the one who upholds the universe, the entire universe by the power of his word, and who's ever interceding for you and me, Christians, stops everything. He stops the parade, stops this whole crowd to call one of his own to himself. The Lord says, I came to seek and save the lost. The Lord says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Bartimaeus was weary and heavy laden. Do you ever wonder if Jesus hears you? Right? Do you ever wonder that? Well, what we're learning right here about the Lord and about God is that he's a personal God. He's very involved with you and me. 
He hears. He hears your prayers. He sees your, and hears your thoughts. He sees what's going on with you if you're going through a trial. He sees all these things. And he says, call him here. He gets a divine call. Call him. Call Bartimaeus here. This is a rebuke to the crowd. And this reminds me of how you rebuked the 12 in Mark 10, 13. It says, let the children come to me. Remember that? Where this crowd was trying to keep Bartimaeus away. Let the children come to me. No, no, no. Call Bartimaeus here. And I find it very interesting how the Lord is so intentional about this. Bartimaeus has a name in, the, in Mark here. And what Bartimaeus simply means son of Timaeus. Bar meaning son. Timaeus is the name of his father. And Timaeus means this, highly prized. Highly prized. God always saw Bartimaeus as highly prized. Therefore, it wasn't an accident as he marched through Jericho that a blind beggar was screaming at him. This was a providential meeting. God had it planned all the time. In other words, Jesus is saying to the crowd, he is mine. I came for him. He's the reason why I came to this world. He's the reason why we were marching through Jericho. And I knew, Bartimaeus, that you'd be right there right now. What does the Lord say in John 10? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. God knows you. God knows Bartimaeus before you were even born. He always had his eye on him from heaven above, from eternity past. It's always been this way. This is not some kind of accidental chance meeting. Bartimaeus might have thought that. The crowd may have thought that. <laughs> but the Lord knows exactly what he was doing. Verse 49 says this, So they called him. So they called him. He's teaching the crowd, and maybe even the 12. Peter's watching all this. Why didn't the Lord just go himself? He sends people to get Bartimaeus to bring him to him. Isn't that interesting how he teaches and uses his disciples and us to evangelize? Isn't that interesting that God would keep us on this side of eternity to help evangelize people? And right now he's training them. Like he could have easily gone there and said, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? No, 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 no. He sends people. Go get him. Go get him. That's why there is the Great Commission. God uses you and me to spread the gospel, to seek and save the lost for him, and to be used by him. Before the disciples or the crowd members go to speak to Bartimaeus, let's just jump into Bartimaeus' head for a second. Think about it now. What is Bartimaeus thinking right now? Remember, he has super hearing on a physical level. What is he thinking right now? As you're sitting there, what are you thinking that he's thinking? I think he's thinking, the crowd's going away. I could hear them going away. I missed it. I missed it. Maybe I didn't scream loud enough. Maybe I should have made a commotion. And what did, the, what did the, the 12 or the crowd say to him? Take courage, cheer up, your Bible may say. They see a discouraged Bartimaeus and say, hey, take courage. Jesus is calling you. Get up. I think about this for myself and for our church. How would you rate 
the strength of evangelism here at Evergreen Baptist Church? Individually, but also corporately, how would you rate this? And this is important for a pastor, a church leader to kind of diagnose and to understand how, how, how strong are we at evangelism, right? I mean, how trained are your eyeballs to see an opportunity at the Starbucks when someone asks you, what are you reading? <laughs> when your friends ask you at work, what would you do on Sunday? When your friend who is going through a hard time say, how is it that you're able to have joy? I know you're going through a hard time. When I go through a hard time, I'm not feeling at peace. How are you able to turn down money because you have some kind of a conviction? I mean, those are layup opportunities. You got to see those and get to the cross somehow, get to Jesus somehow. Maybe you're really trained in that, praise God. But we need to train our spiritual eyeballs to see that hole and run through it and bring the cross to the people. We need to take them by the hand and walk them over to Jesus Christ. Take courage. Hang in there. I got the answer for you. Cheer up. Jesus Christ is the good news. And I get it. Maybe you're not there. Maybe evangelism hasn't been a big point of emphasis for you. Maybe personality-wise, this is kind of a difficult thing. I understand those things. Maybe you're a newer Christian. We understand these things. But we have other things that are set up here at Evergreen, like the local outreach, win, witnessing in the neighborhood. What a great opportunity to even just walk and pray for people to be evangelized. That's a closer step to just personal evangelism. What about sending, I hear people in our church sending their, ser- their sermons to family members. Isn't that amazing? I want you, you need to listen to this. It's easy. It's just copy and paste, right, and then send. That's kind of <laughs> what I've done over and over, and sometimes they listen. Well, how about just inviting someone to the Lord's Day service? You know they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear this. If you're a guest and your friend invited you, they, it's because they love you. They want you to hear that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And how do you do that? He went to the cross and died on the cross and put, took on the punishment that you and I deserve. And he died and he rose again. He's coming back. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, as Janet read, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Meaning, Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me and I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away from my sins and you're going to be my Lord. That's the good news. They want you to hear that. Maybe youth, would you be so bold enough to invite somebody to the youth retreat? Right? These are all good things. These are all good things to evangelize, and really, it's because you love them. It's because you love them. There's one prayer request that God will not deny. A genuine prayer request, God will not deny. And Bartimaeus prays that one. Son of David, have mercy on me. That's the one prayer request that he will not deny. Let me read you Romans 10 again, verse 11 through 13. For the scripture says, God says, in other words, whoever believes upon him, Jesus, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, meaning whether you're Jewish or Greek, whether you're Asian or not Asian, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're educated, uneducated, whatever neighborhood you live in, if you're, if you're smart, not so smart, doesn't matter, athletic, unathletic, He hears it all from everybody. 
as he says that the Lord is of the Lord of all. Amen. Abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever, unqualified, that means every Tom, Dick, and Harry, everybody, okay? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thus saith the Lord. God said, the scriptures have spoken. Isn't that amazing? That's the one prayer request that we know that God will not deny. And Bartimaeus had spiritual sight. He saw clearly. He saw that hole wide open where you could drive an 18-wheeler through it. I mean, it was a massive hole. And you know what he does in verse 15? It says, he threw off his robes or his outer garments and jumped to him. He, he, yeah, he jumps off that seat as if it's a frying pan as a hot stove. And says, I'm going to get that opportunity now. This is my chance. Now is the time for salvation. Now is the time that I get to enter into the kingdom of God. He leaves it all behind. What he owned, although the rich young ruler owned more, this man had an outer garment. I don't need this. I need Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Verse 51. And Jesus answered him and said, what do you want me to do for you? Many people have commented on this question and in, div in Jesus' divine nature, he's omniscient. That, that means he knows everything. So he, he really didn't have to ask that question. And meaning, Really, if you're there, you might have said, Jesus, I think he wants to see. But the Lord knows, but he's intentional, just like sending out the 12 to get Bartimaeus and walk, so that he could walk him by the hand. He's just showing his compassion and tenderness. He wants to connect with Bartimaeus. This is not just some project here that he's doing. This is a man that he's known before he was even born. He's showing great love for Bartimaeus. This is how the Lord treats you and me. Every salvation is a very personal salvation. He takes time to... Ask, what can I do for you? Remember James and John, when the Lord asked them, what, sh what, could I, what, sh what do you want me to do for you? What did James and John ask for last week? Let us sit in your right and your left hand. Give us honor. Well, what's Bartimaeus' response? I simply want to see. I want to regain my sight. I don't want anything special. I don't want to be considered anything special. I just want to... See again. I don't want to be the greatest. I just want to be with you. I just want to see. I don't want to be able to follow you wherever you go. This is Bartimaeus. What would you ask for if the Lord, God himself, came down, which he's asking you now, what would you like me to do for you? As you're sitting there, what would you ask for? To the gospel, friends, says that there's bad news, that we are separated from God. Unforgiven sinners are separated from God and will be set apart from God forever in hell, eternal torment. It's scary. It's, it's frightening to even think about, but that's the truth. But the good news, the gospel, which means good news, says that you can't do anything, but God does it all. All you have to do is receive and trust Christ as your Lord, your God, your King, your Master and Savior. Trust Him. Coming to church doesn't save you. Giving money to the work of God doesn't save you. Serving doesn't save you. Taking communion does not save you. None of that contributes to your salvation. It's just God alone. 
How would you respond when the Lord asked you, if in the Lord asked you, what do you want? Maybe you're like Bartimaeus right now. Do you hear the good shepherd calling you? The good shepherd says that the sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Are you willing to follow him today? Are you willing to follow him today? Or does this sound like blah, 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 blah? I, I, this doesn't make sense to me. But if you hear the shepherd's voice, would you respond today? And then let's go to our third heading. And this is what it looks like when you respond. You become a devoted follower, the devoted follower. Bartimaeus became a devoted follower, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Faith, belief, trust. You see how how that's done, friends? By believing and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's what saves you. When it says saved, that's what the Legacy Standard Bible translates that, but the word is sozo. I, I, I need to address this for a second because your Bible, the, if it's the ESV, NASB, or King James, would say made well. If you're reading out of the NIV, it says healed you. All right, and, and these are all good translations because saved, sozo, ha, could mean both salvation or some kind of a physical healing. And in context, I believe that God is talking about both. How do I know? Well, let's turn to verse 52. 52, he says, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight. So clearly it's physical healing. And you can't imagine what that's like. I don't know how many years since it says he regained his sight, that all of a sudden he sees light. He sees people again. He sees familiar sights perhaps. And imagine all the things to do. Imagine all the things to do. But he did not go to watch his favorite sporting event. He did not go to see the newest iPhone, new technology that's available in Jericho. He did not go to go shopping for some new clothes or something like that because he lost his outer garment. I need to get a new pair of threads. He didn't do any of that. He wanted to be with his Lord. And what does it say? Immediately he... He regained his sight and began following him on the road. Clearly, I see physical healing, and clearly, I see spiritual healing. This man became a devoted disciple. He had clear spiritual sight. He gets off the ground where we all once were as sinners. We're on the ground, destitute, and now he gets up. And now when does he follow the Lord? It clearly says he followed him on the road. What is that talking about? Where's Jesus heading right now? We know the answer. Where's he headed? Jerusalem. That's suffering. That's a life of suffering. This isn't a life of social climbing. This is a life of death that, the, that he goes to follow. See, when we have spiritual sight, we become devoted followers of the Lord. This is what it means to be a disciple. You're a devoted follower. And he's a perfect example of what the Lord says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow. This is exactly what it's talking about. Bartimaeus had 20-20 spiritual vision. And I pray that every sermon that you hear, every lesson that you hear, every time you read the scriptures uh, on your own, you, you see God more clearly. And Luke 18 says this, when he followed him, he began to glorify God. He was worshiping God. 
if you want to grow as a worshiper, grow in your spiritual vision of the Lord. You can't help it. The more you see him clearly, you'll focus on Christ more clearly and you begin to worship him. Just to wrap all this up here, what is spiritual sight about? Those with spiritual sight, number one, see ourselves as desperate beggars. We're all Bartimaeus. We all need the Lord. We're all helpless. There's nothing we could do. All we could do is cry out to the Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Every single one of us, no matter how rich or poor you are, how strong or weak you are, we're all Bartimaeus. You want to have clear view of who, who God is? See yourself as a Bartimaeus, a desperate beggar. Number two, those with spiritual sight heed the divine call. When God calls, you respond, you obey. Let's grow as, as people who obey the Lord. We heed his voice. We're his sheep, we hear his voice, and we come. That's how this works. And finally, those with spiritual sight become devoted followers. We love him. We love him. That's the mark of a Christian. You love Jesus Christ. And not at, you're motivated to follow him because you love him. Amen? This <laughs> is amazing. I just, it's a short portion, but there's so much. There's so much. I hope you are able to see the Lord more clearly through Mark 10, 46 to 52. The Lord is amazing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this teaching on spiritual sight. Lord, I pray that you give us more sight to see. I pray that we're able to see your glory more. Father, I pray that um, as we see, show us more of your glory, we would worship you more. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.